Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're going to talk about some sad shit today. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we are. <laughs> um, and some, uh, and we actually both, for the first time in a couple of weeks, we both watched a movie. Um, and we'll the be same talk- movie. <laughs> yeah, the same movie, not, a, not different movies and shit. Uh, some actual real uh, at actual like the shocking part to me about that movie is that it's a Netflix movie, right? Yeah. Like like it was developed by Netflix. To, uh, it was produced by Netflix and the Obamas and, and like it's an actual fucking movie. Like it's not some kind of weird ass jaunty fucking thing that Netflix put out that stars The Rock or any number of second tier and yes the rock for a time was a second tier um i mean i guess not i guess i mean but they just paid him all the money to make shit um but anyways like it's a real movie which i'm very excited to talk about um so uh but with that yeah two passings man uh the first one and the biggest one uh we'll only talk the the second one only briefly but norman fucking lear 101 101, years old i mean fuck that that's this a life, was man. making TV twice our lifetime. He's been making yeah. TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he like he's been he like like he did it until the end, and he did it right, and he did it right from the beginning. Like that's the okay. So like to me, the thing that Norman like the thing that stands out about Norman Lear to me is is that this motherfucker's always been socially conscious, like ahead of his time and like you know yes he 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 made a he made a show about a racist asshole archie bunker but the show was never laughing with him it was always at him it was always there was never a we're complicit it was always like this whole thing of like we're just going to show you who this person is and uh i don't know man like it's it's kind of sad but it's also kind of beautiful because he made like he was doing it until the end like he was working until the end and it wasn't like from everything that i read it wasn't like he was like oh well like they were just putting a label on it like no he was working like he was he was always as he was as sharp as uh, as uh like the the people that did uh one day at a time the the reboot always said that he had the most like the most intelligent, thoughtful, and modern, like critiques of what they were writing in the writers' room, and that's amazing to me. That a guy at 101. I mean, I have a fucking hard time staying. Not like you know. Okay, don't take it the wrong way, guys. I'm not, I'm not like turning into some old racist codger. No, that's not it. It just it's hard to keep up. It's exhausting. It is physically exhausting or mentally exhausting to keep up with everything that and how quickly social norms are changing and so to be on the cusp of that like he like he was consistently i fuck that's a hundred 
101. My grandfather, my great, my grandfather-in-law is 85, and he has a hard enough time keeping up with his single NFL team. Yeah. You know, I mean, so his first credit uh, in uh, anything was mm-hmm. a writing credit in 1950. Yeah. That's 73 years that, that, of working. That was, the, that was the year my dad was fucking born. My dad was born in 1950. My dad is 73. That's how long he's been. Fuck, that is crazy. I, Seven, yeah, it, it is a an absolute, like, such a stellar career. And not just because of, like, the hits. Like, not only was he socially conscious, but he always really seemed down to take chances on things. Yeah. Like, some of the stuff, like, like Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, you can't even really find today. I know somebody was working on, like, a a remake, reboot kind of thing. Yeah. At some point. I don't know if it's still in development. Um. But, like, huh. that's one of those things where, like, no, that's something nobody would do today. No. You know, I, as, like, soap operas, like, actual soap operas, daytime soap operas wrap up, like, they're generally not getting second, third, fourth lives, you know. Um, yeah. so we've seen several come to an end in the last you know 10 years and it's just like yeah you know there's there's not as big an audience for those things uh stay at home uh parents (laughs) men or women it's not really much of a thing anymore like you almost need a two-income family to survive not even almost at this point unless you're got some kind of wealth i don't know how anybody's making it without two incomes um, which is actually something Norman Lear would be really, really good at, at, at you know, moving forward and telling that story. But, um, yeah, th- th- things like Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, are, are, it's not anything that anybody would ever take a damn chance on. No. You know? Well, and it's also, like, like that show took on some really heady topics. Um <laughs> I mean, most of his shows did like and there was a beauty to what he did. He snuck in like for me, Lear's work was always super interesting because of how he was able like he set the standard. Like if you really think about it, every episode on his TV shows were on the next uh, on the next blah, blah, blah. It's a very special episode, right? Like he always like all of his shows were the very special episode because he was always tackling things. Like he was always tackling whatever the week brought to them. Right. Like he was one of those guys, like I hate using this comparison. I really do because they've turned so sour, but uh, Trey and Matt um, from South park, the way that they were able to turn around social issues or, or like, like things that were at headlines like within a week or two so that you were seeing it like Norman Lear was doing with TV back in the seventies. Like, like they would rip things from headlines and that's how he was able to like, but he did it with like, it's the Mary Poppins of it all right. With a a spoonful of sugar. He always made it 
funny and it was always funny. And then he always managed to get either that emotional right hook in or that social, that social message that was never, that never felt like a message, even though it always felt like a message, um, in, um, like in other shows. And I mean, like his work laid the groundwork for stuff that ended up becoming like, like, I mean, without Archie Bunker, there's no Roseanne, right? Like, like without, uh, without something like, uh, the Jeffersons or Sanford and son, there's no Martin, there's no, um, living single. There's no, there's no, like, he was the person that pushed, like he pushed for an all black family, you know, um, he pushed for a father and son relationship in Sanford and son, you know, like good times. I mean, can you imagine like, I don't know if good times could happen now. Like, even if you like dressed it up, dolled it up, I don't yeah, know. It would like, be, it's how- yeah, it would be a tough, uh, but I mean, not in the way that it existed then for sure. Um, but even even the concept now, I feel like would just not it wouldn't play. I mean, would it play like or would it even get past the would it even get past like the executive stage? Like, yeah. like you know, like the pitching stage or even like I don't even know, like a, a fucking like a pilot, like like any of his stuff. Like, I mean, like we saw one day at a time was super successful, but Netflix ended up dropping it. Like the last season had to go elsewhere, even though it's like a beautiful show and it deals with sometimes it can be difficult to watch because it's 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 dealing with issues that you deal with. Right. Like on a day to day. But how do I pay this fucking bill? How do yeah. I pay this five hundred dollar bill and doing it with <clears throat> understanding a little anger um, a, a, and a lot of humor is I don't know, man, like there, no one, he's a one of one, as the kids say, he did it in a way that I feel like is the model, but I don't know, man, like, like it's, it's wild to think that he had the the life that he did. Yeah. I, I mean, just uh, like a pioneer in every sense of the word. And I, just to, I, I wanted to talk like two other shows well, three mm-hmm. really that nobody has ever heard of. There was a show. Uh, I mean, it was on when I was a year old. So I only know these are things I know about because of like my dad or my grandmother. And like, oh, yeah, there was this show. There was a show called The Baxters that was the first part of it was very like Norman Lear kind of like social conscious thing. And then the mm-hmm. second half of it was literally a talk show where they discussed what you had just seen, like with with people. What? Yes. Wow. It was only on for like a season and a half, maybe just one season. Uh-huh. But like, what a fucking interesting idea. Yeah, seriously. Like that's super. Um, that is really interesting. Like, like that's like, wow. Like I've never heard of this show, and now I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Um. It's interesting because I'm going to tell somebody, I'm going to tell everybody this because they should know this uh, about his, about his shows. If you're, if you're looking and I, because it's a weird like home video thing is, is that I'm going to tell everybody, you're never going to get these things on DVD or Blu-ray. 
You yeah. will you will only get them on DVD. The reason why is because um, to cut costs, but also to be very um, to be very um, how can I say this um, forward thinking because he was always forward thinking, especially with technology. He shot everything on videotape instead of film. And it was done in front, a lot of them were done in front of a live studio audience. So the canned laughter was not canned laughter, it was actual laughter. And so, like, I would strongly suggest if you've not watched, I mean, I watched them on Nick at Night. Like, I mean, that's how I got my fix and how I started to understand who Archie Bunker was, like, who who Archie Bunker was, like, because I'd seen so many things. And, like, you know, like, when you're a kid, you hear people talk about these things, like Sanford and Sons, the Jeffersons. And then when they started playing them on Nick at night, I got context. And then at the end of every show, like at the beginning of movies, uh, they're used to always like at the end of every TV show back in the 70s and 80s, there was always like a a logo, right? Um, like the the most famous one, I think, for all of us was sit boo boo, sit, good dog. Yeah. Um, but like everybody, Desi Lou, um, uh, Norman Lear had his logo and to watch all these, these shows at every single time, any one of them was always like, you could always guarantee that it was like the good ones. The elite ones were always by Norman Lear and you got to know the name because of the title at the end. And then it's, it, it started me on a path of finding out who he was from my parents and like each of them had their their different perspective on on Norman Lear, which is always funny, right? Like you know, like everybody has an opinion, and he, I mean, I think that Norman Lear would have loved that. Like he like he wanted nothing more than people at their dinner table talking about the episode from the previous night. Like yeah. that's what he wanted. He wanted people to be engaged, and. There, I don't know if there was anybody like. Has there been anybody that did it better? I mean, I don't think so. Um, so, so here's another show, uh, and mm-hmm. I know this because uh, my dad is. And Back to the Future is going to come up a few times. There's yeah. a show called Palmerstown USA that was on for two seasons. It's about it was set in Depression era South about a white mm-hmm. family and a black family who become friends. And huh. ran okay. from why well, might only just been one season. This says I just looked it up. Seventeen episodes. Um, okay, so that's half a season, man. That's a half yeah. a season back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so ran from eighty into eighty one, and starred a uh, very young Michael J. Fox, who after the show was canceled, would go on to star in, you know. One of the defining um, sitcoms of the freaking eighties. Yeah. Um, can we talk? Can we just take us a little side route to just talk about? So, like, I saw this like stupid internet thing, this internet interview with uh, Timothy Chalamet because the Wonka movie. Like, uh, let's not talk about it. Paul King should just go back to talking bears. Um, but so he he was talking and he called <laughs> he called Tom Holland the Riz master. And I mean, we all know what Riz means now, if you don't look it up. Uh, but like, I just want to say the original Riz master is actually Michael J. Fox. Why? Because this kid played a little fucking squirt of a Reaganot, like a Reagan, like, a, like he was literally like Michael Douglas jr. In the show. Mm-hmm. 
but America fell in love with him. Like everybody loved Michael J. Fox, even though he was like the worst kind of little kid. Like he's the kid now that we make fun of because he's like a future little fascist. Like that's literally what Michael J. Fox was playing, but he was so fucking charming. He had so much riz. He had so like he like the camera loved him and they fell in love with him. Like that to me is wild. Like just taking a step back and just talking about it. Cause I was thinking about, uh, because when you mentioned, um, when you mentioned the, the back to the future reference, uh, that you did, uh, last night, um, all I kept on thinking about was the goddamn music fucking Alvin Silvestri, kind of the, yeah. um, but also like I was thinking about, because you can't not think about Mikey Fox without that, uh, without back to the future. And it was just kind of funny, like thinking about that. I was like, man, that kid was, that kid had the, the world in it, the palm of his hand. He was so popular. Of yeah. course, back to the future was going to be a hit, but it was a mega hit because of how good it was made. Like it looks it's a perfect movie. Let's just be honest here. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I mean, and, um, and to be able to like that, that's the other thing is that, and mm-hmm. I'll end with this show. Cause it's also mm-hmm. about spotting talent. Norman Lear could spot talent like he just mm-hmm. he, he knew it Absolutely. might not always like be find the people in the place that they, they're going to be like michael j fox doesn't become famous on this show you know mm-hmm. a depression era south tv show uh, you know about the racial divide that that's that's yeah. tough you know um but it's there um, so there was this show on in the early 90s. You may remember it. I've, I think there's a couple of episodes on YouTube. It was called The Powers That Be. And hmm. it, it's it, the exploits. This is the, the uh, IMDb rundown on it. The exploits hmm. of a clueless American senator and the eccentric, morally corrupt people who are closest to him. Oh my God! I've never heard of this. Sh- I've never, no, I've never heard of the show. And that John that Forsyth and Holland Taylor are the are the oh the senator and his wife, and they're oh. they're both so great. Like Holland Taylor, I think she is one of the most underrated comedic actresses. She she was one of the things that you could watch Two and a Half Men and be like, yes. I love her. <laughs> Yeah, um, like, oh man, she, like, her and Christine Baranski are, like, are, like, like, assassins, comedic assassins, like, I feel like them, both of them together, like, I, oh man, like, they, like, they're different, but they're the same in the way that they, they just know where to hit the right beat, like, Holland yeah. Taylor, like, man, she could, she could do it, and wasn't she also, wasn't she also in Spin City? Didn't she play Barry Boswick's wife, or was am I thinking no, about somebody, that's somebody else? else? She might okay. have had a guest spot, but uh, okay. Um, so Peter McNichol also in this show. Oh wow! Okay. Um, <laughs> David Hyde Pierce also in this show, and a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing the Michael J. Fox thing, also oh, in this show. Um, oh wow! The the thing is, it was created by David Crane. And if you know anything, you know David Crane would go on to create Frasier. Yeah. And th- this is where, like, 
David Hyde Pierce, like spotting that talent. And then like he would just like Michael J. Fox, it wouldn't be this show that made him. But like literally a decade later, like having that in the back of his mind going like, I, I love this guy. We've got to find something for this guy and going, oh, OK, we're going to write Frazier a brother. And just so we have something for David Hyde Pierce, like it, it it's yeah. I, I think there's a few episodes on YouTube. I don't know if it was. What? Don't bark at me. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, wow. Wow, dude. Like, like, yeah, he was always a guy. Like, he, like, every aspect of his life, he did it right. I mean, this is a man who won the Peabody Award, the Lifetime Achievement uh, the Peabody Lifetime Achievement Award, not once, but twice. Who the fuck wins that award? Yeah, twice? who wins the Lifetime Achievement Award twice? But the, P- <laughs> the the Peabody Award, which is all about, um, it, it's it, like okay, so like as it's described on the uh, on the the website for the Peabody Award, um. Uh, It's a program named for the American businessman and philanthropist George Peabody honoring what are described as the most powerful, enlightening, invigorating stories in television, radio, and online media. Like this guy, this dude won it twice. This dude also was in World War II as a radio operator in a uh, a B-27 Flying Fortress, flew every single one of his assigned 52 missions and won um, a distinguished medal, uh, a distinguished medal for his service in World War II. How the fuck is that possible? Like this man, like if there is ever a time, or if there's ever somebody that should take on, like you know, we talk about biopics. There's one out there right now with Bradley Cooper that everybody isn't falling in love with. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, the the, the prosthetics, whatever, dude. I mean, I, we all know you want to you want to win gold, um, but. Like this guy, Norman Lear, like if I don't see a biopic of his life or at least take one of 50 sections of his life and just make it. And it would be a thrilling, amazing piece of um, Americana. Like this is a guy who like is a true American. Like I look at him and I go, he's like, you know, he was born of immigrant parents. He's Jewish. He's a war hero. Um, he he pushed the boundaries of TV. He was always politically involved and and not just like donating, but actually doing things. Like he uh, like he helped uh, with um, the guy who stole the Pentagon paper. Like supposedly stole the Pentagon papers. However you want to frame it, but the the man who stole the Pentagon papers, he actually helped with the Legal Defense Fund for uh for uh god was it ellsberg i think that's his name uh daniel ellsberg yes the guy who stole the pentagon paper or like who 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 had the pentagon papers and released them like he helped their defense like this guy is always in the center of whatever social whirlwind is happening and he does it with grace he does it the way that you would want anyone to do this like he's an example of what like he's a true like yeah to coin a phrase from um new girl he's a true american like yeah. and i'm proud that he was an american like there are few people that i can honestly say 
I look back on it and I go, man, that like that that makes me proud to be an American. Norman fucking Lear, I'm proud to be an American because I he, I like of like his everything that he did. I mean, yeah, just just incredible, right? Incredible, like, but did it and made it look easy, made it yeah. look fun, made it look like this was the way that you did it and you didn't have to suffer for it. I mean, that's crazy, right? Like, like most most people try like the thing that I hate about charity is that I've I've always believed that charity should be done in private. And it's something that you don't promote. Like, I don't tell people that I, I, I give uh, what I give or how I give it. But so many people do that. He is not one of those people. He may promote something, but everything that we've heard about him is always years later. It's yeah. always like, oh, behind the scenes. And then people start talking about it, which to which you could probably know. Norman Lear is probably a little embarrassed that it got out that this shit happened because it's like he like that's his personal business. Right. Um, I don't know. It, it's just he, like, like I said, like, like no one did it better. And I'm a little sad, but I'm also like, I look at it and it's like 101 years. That's a fucking long time I mean, to be alive. You can't, yeah. You cannot ask for much more than that. And, and to, to just, it, it's like, it's the Sinatra song. Like I did it my way. Right. Yep. Like to have done it his way and never, I'm not saying he didn't compromise, but just like not not really doesn't seem to have compromised on his morals. No. Not really. So and and, yeah. and in the business that he's in, that is a fucking yeah. tough thing and, to do. You know, and we can we can end on this. How fucking mm-hmm. adorable was his friendship with Rita Moreno? <laughs> like Yeah. It was so fucking cute, man. <laughs> it, it was it, it, it's the kind of thing that you just look at and go, damn, like, that's the way you do it. That's friendship. Like, yeah. that's great. Like that transcends everything. That's just two people that enjoy each other's company and like amuse one another to no end. Yeah. And I love it. Like it was like, there's so many things like that. And what I'm looking forward to as we move forward is all of the stories being revealed. Right. Yeah. Like even more because there's I want weird... I want the book. Like I just oh, yeah. want that that book. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um uh, uh, the, uh, G- the give me a podcast. A podcast where the somebody just sits down for an hour and a half with somebody that worked in new worked with in new Norman Lear and just talk about the guy. Like every week. Um I would love it if uh the guy who like so the guy who i feel is like the guy who writes the best um biographies um walter isaacson he's the guy who wrote the job's book yeah and then he also wrote benjamin franklin and then i'm actually i'm actually reading his einstein uh book but i would love isaacson to take on norman lear because yeah. it, that's the kind of deep dive like if i got a if i got a 1500 page book Oh yeah, uh, like, like uh, give yeah. me that, give me that tome, like yeah, give me just take, every take, single thing. Yes, exactly. The failures, the successes, the mega successes. Mm-hmm. Give me everything. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. I I want that, and I want a movie. And so he deserves it. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Going back to your Bradley Cooper comment, I'm not hearing good things about that movie other than like Bradley Cooper insists upon himself in the Family Guy terms. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it's really should be Carrie Mulligan's movie that she's phenomenal. Um, So I I doubt I'll watch it. But uh, the other person that passed is uh, Ryan O'Neill. Um, who had not done anything super big as I like, I think he was in a long run of Bones episodes. But hell, I think Bones has been off there for 10 years. Yeah, so I, I am familiar with Ryan O'Neill. I am not like I've seen Barry Lyndon, mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually ever seen Paper Moon, oh, but man. I've seen a couple of other things. Um, Honestly, put that on your list. Put uh, like Paper Moon is is a special movie. Like it's a special special movie. I want to uh, see Knight of Cups too. I never got around to seeing Knight of Cups. Knight of Cups is like all fucking Terrence Malick's movies. It's all going to depend on like if you like the subject. Like like honestly, like it really is like one of those things where it's very ponderous. I think that there's three different versions on the Blu-ray. Like, oh, wow. because, I mean, that's Malik, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what he does. Um, so, yeah. No, 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 absolutely. Um, he was one that, like, I mean, I like I said, like, he, like one of my favorite movies, What's Up, Doc? I mean, he, he stars in What's Up, Doc? Uh, so I know him very well. Um, like, there, like, of course, The Driver, Walter Hill's The Driver, which, um, that's a brilliant piece of, that's a brilliant piece of action filmmaking um that uh one of my more recent things and it wasn't even recent it was 20 years ago um a movie that you probably like um zero effect i was gonna that that was i was like here's the only thing i really know ryan o'neill from it's a movie that nobody fucking saw by jake kaz is it jake kaz yes one of the casting kids called zero effect that's fucking incredible (laughs) yes okay so ben stiller and fucking like it's it it, it's it's uh him angela featherstone and of course the great kim dickinson kim dickinson the and ryan o'neill and the great fucking bill pullman like bill Bill Pullman, pullman is so fucking good in that movie man which i have to i have to ask um so or I have to tell a little side story about Zero Effect because Bill Pullman. Um, I know that Kasdan has a script, a sequel script called Son of Zero, where somehow Zero's, he has a son and is the same thing. I just started watching with my wife Lessons in Chemistry that has Lewis Pullman in it. Now, I know he kind of looked like Bill, in Top Gun, but they put him with those geeky glasses and they kind of made him like, so you kind of can't get the vibe because they didn't want the whole president, junior president thing, right? Yeah. ID4. But in Lessons in Chemistry, like they let him be a full on charismatic, like star. And I swear to God, he looks like, like, like Quaid. He looks like his dad. Like there are moments where you're just like, holy shit and i like i instantly thought of it like when i watched that first episode i was like 
they should do Son of Zero. Like, he needs to work with his dad because he's just as weird and as kooky and as good as his dad is. I um, love that. Just as a side note. I oh, absolutely God, yes. love that. I, Zero but, Effect is such an underrated gem of a movie and, and just reminds me, we were kind of texting about this the other day, of yeah. this this time when, like, you could make movies like that. I mean, I guess they kind of sort of still get made, but like not in the same way. Like, because no. zero effect hit at the same time as like in that same era of like boondock saints that we were talking about of mm-hmm. pool hall junkies of, uh, um, what was the other one? Uh, we were talking oh, about, um, pool hall junkies, um fucking um suicide kings suicide kings and like, like go um yeah uh like those kinds of they're not movies about nothing but they're movies about like kind of the banality of anything uh, no matter what you're doing like yeah it's it, exciting but also tedious like it seems like all of those movies <laughs> have that kind of like exploration of like what if this situation but everybody involved is just constantly frustrated with what's going on in <laughs> <laughs> long and languorous conversations it, it's yes. very much like it was the transmutation of of everything that happened when quentin when quentin was the seismic bomb yeah. of him filmmaking like to look, a lesser look, degree kevin him. smith where it's just yes. like you're you're making movies about people talking. Smith was doing it in convenience stores and malls. Yes. Uh, Tarantino was doing it with hitmen and um, you know, arms dealers. Um, yeah. But it's still like that same. We're going. We're going to put these people in situations and have them talk about things that have nothing to do with the situation that they're in. Like we're yeah. going to have them have somewhat real conversations you know um and you just i don't know i I don't think you get movies like that anymore you don't you don't because four quadrant movies are just that they're four quadrant movies they're meant to be about plot so that they hit they hit marks and it makes me think about like so i've been on this okay so like like there's a way to do it, right? And there are people that still do it. I mean, Quentin's still doing it. I mean, though he ha- we have one movie left with him. Um, I often think about he how says Ryan. That. Jo- we'll see. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I think he's going to do the Soderbergh thing where he'll go to TV, yeah, and he'll make like like whoever decides to buy the shit. I'm fairly certain it's going to be Netflix. We're going to get we're going to get TV series from him that are going to be about nothingness. They're going to be like. Like, I would not be surprised if we get at least one season of Bounty Law starring fucking Leo DiCaprio. And yeah. then everybody's everybody's going to come to play. I swear to God. Er, including, I already have this envisioned in my head, that they're going to make sure that Pitt is around. And they're going to have Pitt substitute as the stunt double in the stunt double work. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's going to yeah. be this, like, craziness. There's going to be a crazy multi-layeredness <laughs> to the Bounty Law. interesting. He's going to get people like Josh Brolin involved, like whoever are like who wants to come and play, who can play with his dialogue. 
they're going to come to play. It's going to be just like a TV show, right? But it's going to be a 50s TV show with, or a early 60s TV show with a black and white. He's, I know, like, I feel like he's going to do it because his next book, the Rick Dalton book, has a complete synops- a, a synopsis for every single one of the 180 Bounty Law shows that Rick Dalton starred in. That's crazy. How, how fucking nuts is Quentin? This but, is why again, he doesn't just, do more, because he's too busy doing shit like that. <laughs> but we're going to get that book, and how amazing is that? Like, But, okay, so like going back to the whole thing of, of, like, we don't get it anymore. We don't, but there are pops of it, right? But I also think about it, and I think about the level of actor that we have right now. There are very few people that can oh, do yeah. that kind of like aerobatic verbally aerobatic work and make it make sense like i like if you think about it like there are the elite actors the ones that continue to do things the ones that he works with but then also there's those other ones that don't that come from stage or go back and forth from stage that you know can do it they are okay so like to me anybody who works with him or like anybody who works with quentin of course but then like if you think about it anybody who works with the mcdonough's um either john or neil uh the guys who made the the guard uh cavalry yeah. seven psychopaths uh the banshees of insurance because those two dudes write just like like they're them and you're right that that's uh, kind ryan of johnson. where you yeah ryan johnson for sure um yeah that's kind of where you see those movies uh johnson i I think for the at least the next few years is just going to be making um his mystery movies which is fine i really really enjoy them um but yeah the mcdonough's do that thing that we were talking about and that's kind of i guess where maybe that's the thing like i don't watch enough like uh english and irish or or scottish or like any of those kind of films yeah yeah because that's where that stuff kind of lives you know like snatch is almost that kind of movie yeah like the the guy richie stuff like yeah the the good guy richie stuff (laughs) i haven't seen like i haven't seen anything he did in a while he i he lost a lot of fucking (laughs) favor with me uh, you actually, actually, the last couple of films, um, I would actually honestly say, yeah, give him a chance because especially the last one that he did. Did I tell tell you about that one, Operation? No, I've I've seen the like I've seen the DVD like just when I'm browsing through things. And I'm always just like, sorry, guy Richie, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> you you gonna... burned the bridge twice, and I'm not building it again. <laughs> I'll give you the short pitch for it, which is great. I, okay, so it's okay. So it's I don't know how he fucking did this, but well, it's because fucking Tom Cruise has been making that fucking Mission Impossible movie for fucking three years. Um, he made basically with Operation Fortune, he basically made a low rent version of Mission Impossible that like Mel Brooks makes fun of Mission Impossible, but still remains as a kind of Mission Impossible movie with a team up with, but here's the best part. The Rebecca Ferguson role is Aubrey Plaza. How can you not want to see that fucking movie, dude? I do (laughs) want to say like, it's, 
I look at it like I look at the cast and I'm like, I'd uh-huh. probably enjoy this, but like I I'll give I'll try to give it a shot. But like every time I'm just like, nope. <laughs> like every time I'm look at his name, I'm just like, this dude has burned his bridge so many times with me. <laughs> I'm just not gonna do it again. Um, but I, I'll have to give it a shot. Um, all that to really go back to and say that yeah. <laughs> Ryan O'Neill is fucking phenomenal. He's yes. definitely, uh, I, I, it's hard to say he's the best part of Zero Effect, but that whole movie's great. The whole cast is great. And um, it's, it, I don't know there's one you can easily find. You probably find Paper Moon way easier than you can find Zero Effect. <laughs> Paper Moon's on the fucking uh, is on is in the Criterion or is on the Criterion channel. I think I might be. Oh, there you collection. go. Um, uh, yes, I think it is. Let me. I'll, I'll double check for you. But um, Zero Effect is is not even on Blu-ray. It's on DVD. I still have my DVD. Me too. <laughs> like, 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 uh, yeah. Like it's. it's you know what? Another one. Great. One. I know. Wait, I, I'm sure you may have seen it. You may not have seen it. But there's a movie called Thursday. With, yes, um, um, with Thomas Jane. Uh, I actually own that on Blu-ray. Yeah, that uh, that's I, another I, yes. one in that like crazy era of like not ultra violent, but these violent movies that aren't really about what you think they're about. Like Thursday's a really really good one. <laughs> Yes, it was I actually, hard yeah. to find for. A, I mean, it's still not really easy to find, but it was hard to find for a long. Like you couldn't even get a DVD; you had to track down a VHS copy of it. Mm-hmm. No, um, absolutely. Um, and like, yeah, it, it's uh, it's really good. Like Thursday, I actually, and it has it not only has Thomas Jane, Ryan O'Neill, but it also has Glenn Plummer. And a very young, right off of In the Company of Men, Aaron Eckhart. Yep, yep. Um, which, like, um, I even I even quoted it as uh, like my my I think my oh, okay it's a Thursday a Thursday a late ni- a late nineties Tarantino infused crime dark comedy is being released for the first time on Blu-ray. That was my log line for it. Um, I just sent you my article about it, so you. Oh, um, uh, but yes, he is actually in it. Uh, it's kind of crazy that if you really think about like, like up until about the 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 early nineties, Ryan O'Neill, I mean, he was doing it. He was doing it, and uh, you know, his daughter, like Paper Moon, Tatum O'Neill, she she became a star for a time. I mean, think about it. Like ba- between that and Bad News Bears, I mean, she gets an Oscar nom for Paper Moon, and she rightfully deserved it. That yeah. kid is so fucking good she like i think that she invented the uncute i hate you teen or uh child like she was like the first foul mouth uh child in movies like i think that's the reason why paper moon works is because she doesn't like her dad plays a con artist i mean like you know uh like this it's it's about a, a con artist that goes on a trip with this girl that could or could not be his daughter and I mean, it's the, it's a very like it's a very off-told story now, but at the time it wasn't. And like, you watch it, and there's this sense of like, oh, this is the first time that they were able to do this. Like, let a kid curse, let a kid smoke, like do all the fucking things that like. 
I like there's no there's no like what are they what do they call there's no cleanliness to the kid. It's not like she's a real kid. Like scrapes on the knee, dirt on the face, kid. It's not like oh I'm gonna be cutesy. I'm gonna be Kevin McAllister. Ah, um. Though you know, uh, shout out to Macaulay Culkin who finally got his fucking star on the Hollywood Walk. Yeah, it was so sweet, man. It was so. Sweet. Oh man, and then also I was helping Macaulay Culkin. Looks so good, and Seth Green looks oh like he's God. aged so much. Like oh I was just like, God. oh, wow, Seth Green looks not that he looks bad, like, but it, he's definitely wearing his age. I mean, Macaulay Culkin looks older for sure, but like, yeah, dude looks really good. <laughs> well, I mean, the Culkins, like all of them, like yeah, they have they're so fucking yeah, it's ridiculous, man. It is yeah. like that shows you right there, like so much of it is your genetic makeup. And it's just, it's like some people are just fighting, like me. I'm fighting a losing battle. <laughs> you, me, you and me both, brother. You and me both. Um, uh, but yeah, like, like that was just kind of beautiful. Like, yeah. watching Catherine O'Hara talk about, about her, her, because. What I think a little known fact that people don't know is, is that Catherine O'Hara is his aunt. Yeah. Um, Macaulay Culkin's aunt. Um, and uh, she, of course, that, that makes perfect sense when you realize that she was the one who, who uh, you know, uh, gave the speech to uh, for the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's just kind of, like, beautiful. And also, like, kind of makes me ask, huh? Why the fuck did it take this long to give Macaulay Culkin a, Hollywood, uh, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I mean, literally 30, 30 years after he, like, it, like, so, like, here's the thing is that Home Alone wasn't his first movie. It wasn't even close to his first movie. Um, there's a great movie with Burt Lancaster. And you've probably seen it, and I've got to add it to my my list. You know what list I'm talking about. It's called Rock of Gibraltar. Have yeah. you seen this movie? Not for a long time. Um, so, like, when I, what, like, when I think of that movie, man, that fucking movie, like, makes me want to cry because it's all about a, a grandfather and uh his passing and then what they have to do when he's in the movie uh um macaulay culkin it's i think his first role but i mean he was also an uncle buck uh, yeah uncle buck is just so every time i i'm i see it i'm just like none of people talk about this movie man it's so damn good like we forget how good john candy was and how good we had it like he made he made some like eh, but like for the most part he was so fucking good. He really was like um, only the lonely is yeah. one of the is one of my fucking favorites, and it's a heartbreaker because it's the only. I feel like I know there are people that are planes, trains, and automobile fans. Um, I am too. I'm I'm a big fan of it, but if you're talking about like. John Candy in a role that, like, I feel like mm, it was that movie because it was the only movie that he ever got to play a romantic lead with Alan yeah. Sheedy of all things, yeah. directed by fucking Chris Columbus. I will always forgive Chris Columbus for his trespasses, and there are many of them for two yeah. reasons: yeah, young Sherlock Holmes and only the lonely with Maureen O'Hara. Like, fuck, dude, how do you? The stuff with I, him I, and his mom is so fucking good, man. It it really is. Well, like I fuck man. Like I wish <laughs> that Chris. I wish that Chris Farley had the chance to get to that point because yeah. I feel like Chris never had 
the chance that Candy did. Like Candy worked hard to get to that point to where he could make a movie where he wasn't a joke or it wasn't about his weight. It was just him. I it's oh, fuck, man. That's a yeah, we're getting into like these weird ass like um yeah, just, I love I love us being able to like go into these like weird yeah. side tangents to talk about these films that people are like what's what's only the lonely and why like chris columbus nine months no not nine months <laughs> um well we can get on the the like straight path yes and just jump ship and talk about fucking full-on spoilers and everything so if you haven't watched it yet which it's only been out for a day or a couple of days by the time this comes yeah. out go watch leave the world well i don't know maybe go watch leave the world behind okay, on netflix so I'm, gonna pre- <laughs> uh, I'm gonna preface this okay if you are in a good mood if you are not like are you if you're in a point if where you're not you, you're not worried yes if you're not worried about the world and the state of it like um okay you're good watch this but if you are if you are having a moment if you are having a moment or you know the anxiety and dread that Mr. Robot creates, like if you've seen Mr. Don't Robot. Don't watch this movie. <laughs> don't watch this fucking movie, okay? Like, I texted you, Spencer it, when it was over and said, for the love of God, please don't watch this movie with your wife. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, okay, so like my wife, my wife read the book that this is based on. Um, she fucking hated the book. Right. Like, okay. So like this just tells you, okay, I'm just giving you guys context here. She hated the book. It was like, so she read it in 2020 mid pandemic. Um, it was just not the book for her. Um, she said it was the, like, it was like of the 60 books or 50 books that she read, it was number 50. Right. Um, but we watched the movie last night and she was like, well, you know, (laughs) comparatively, I told you it's the worst movie or it's the worst book the, the, of that year. Um, it's she's like i don't know how much i can tell you it's a better movie it's a much better movie than it was a book like much better she was like the way that they handled things the the way that things were implied that wasn't implied in the book it, she's like it just it was a sloppily written book which always surprised which surprised me because it's it was one of obama the reason why the obamas produced it was because um it was one of his favorite books of 2020 so like like she was always like I, she's a very she's a very like she's very big on clean writing, like she like she doesn't want you to fuck with the form because all it does most of the time authors don't know how to do that so it becomes the sloppy bullshit. Um, she said like other than the the other than the um, the beginning opening moments where they they get the uh, they they get the Airbnb. And the ending, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just, she's like, the visual context which the director brings, she's like, it was a lot different. And she's like, and better, because it wasn't as anxiety-inducing in the book, even though there's, you know, she's like, I've read books that are super uh, anxiety-inducing. This is what I think that the author was trying to do, but couldn't do. I I can kind of see that. Like... I, you'd have to be a really good writer to write about 70 or 80 deer stare down 
this person. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Th- yeah, like, I can kind of, like, get a sense of what that might feel like. Fucking seeing it is scary. Yeah. Well, like, everything in the... Like, okay, so... Man, Sam Nishmael's up to his old tricks, man. Fuck. Like, everything. The score, especially the sound design. I'm fairly certain Sam Nishmael... And I think I've read this before in his... In his... um, In interviews that he's done, where he talks about soundscape and sound design and how he forces his sound designers to put in sounds that he knows that are on a sonic wavelength to induce anxiety in people for small periods of time. So like that soundscape that's happening is meant to raise your blood pressure, is meant to it, make you panicky. Fucking does. Every yeah. fucking time. Like it's it's worse than a horror movie because like mm-hmm. so you're watching a horror movie and you, you you know the music is also designed in a horror movie to get you get your tension up and then you'll either have You'll have a couple of jump scares and then you'll have like the real thing happen. Yeah. And and after, you know, after you see that a couple of times, like even if you're a little tense, like you're already like, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, the, w- this is not going to be a murder because we we haven't had a jump scare yet. Like this will be the jump scare. The next one will be like a fake out. And then the the next one, you know, will be. The actual, like, it's just, it's very formulaic. Every fucking time in this movie, it, it, like, I, I could never tell what was going to happen. Like, I I could never get a sense, like, I can't get my hands on it, you know? It's like trying to hold water. Like, I cannot get a sense of what the dread is going to be. Yeah. Like the the towards the end of the movie or, or the in the third act, um, when they the whole family sleeps in the bed together, and then uh, Julia Roberts is going to wake her son up. Mm-hmm. Like you she thought was like, he was dead. Yeah, I I did. I was like yeah. the way the music. I was like this 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 kid is dead. I'm about to have to watch this woman come unglued because her son is dead and mm-hmm. i don't know if i by then i was just like i don't know how much more of this i can handle like i really yes. really don't like okay so like i um sam ishmael basically took all the lessons he learned from the mr robot prison section of yeah. and basically took all the lessons he learned about tension because like There'll be one thing that I'll tell you. The thing that stops me from watching that fucking series again is that prison, the section that he that takes place with Elliot in the prison. Like, fucking dude, I cannot handle that. It's so intense. It's so just kind of like a horror movie, but not. It's like, it's like there's this realism that Sam Ishmael takes and heightens that, like, and he does it without violence. And that's the fucking thing that I feel like separates him and makes him somebody special. But it's also going to be something that everybody rejects. Like, this movie is not a feel-good movie. I don't know why they released it in the winter. 
I guess because of awards, but Jesus Christ, this thing is super effective in the way that it just continues to gut punch you and take you off your feet. It's not just the gut punch. It's the fact that you don't know what exactly is going to happen next, like you said. Which is written into the fucking plot. Like, you get Mahershala Ali's uh, spiel right at the very end about, like, bringing down a society or a country. And, yeah, and letting it... Oh, man, that was scary shit. That's this whole fucking... Mo- like, not only are you watching these people experience it, but you're kind of experiencing it, too. Because yeah. it's like, I am coming unglued. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> well, and, and the brilliant part is, is that this is a movie that takes basically the end of the world and makes it like um it goes farther than night of the living dead where it it becomes a subjective movie and you're in the subjectiveness but it never is like a singular voice right it's about this family you're closed off from the world like they are and you're experiencing this situation as it evolves like they are and um like a families because it's two families and like I said like it's very much like I could see Ishmael looking at it and going oh man this is Night of the Living Dead like think about it like the the like as soon as you put Mahershala Ali and his daughter and you put like Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts against one not against one another but in a situation that is tenuous to say the least you instantly get the vibes of of Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. Um, but like, like it, it's kind of it's brilliant because it's ne- it's always implied that Julia Roberts is a racist, but it's never said that Julia Roberts is a racist. Um, you know, and the way that Mahershala Ali deals with things, it's very much so. Like, it's never implied, but it's always like he's navigating a world and he's dealt with these type of people before he, and he knows how to deal with them as a people person. Right. And him having to kind of navigate it. It's very interesting how, and I keep on going back to Mr. Robot. I know, but it's the only thing I have reference for this on because it's such a major monumental work for Ishmael. It's the kind of things that he did in he it's always like he takes it to the nth degree. Show, don't tell. Right? Like like until until you've gotten to a point to where you know the characters, then you can have these beautiful soliloquies because A, you have Shamish or you have fucking Mahersha Ali saying these things, but he's also earned that because we've seen these relationships and situations evolve. Um it's kind of like it's it's an effective it's almost too effective like like is that possible a movie about anxiety and terror and the end of the world being too effective i mean (laughs) my first thought like uh once i kind of really understood what the movie was going for i was just like this motherfucker made a prequel to the road man like Mm-hmm. And I know those are both books and by two different authors and but just talking about cinematically, like the road opens so bleak and desolate and fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. And like 
And this movie doesn't start like that, but like it gets there. And I like what what the fuck is next? And, and I like I know we said spoilers, but like and not to jump all the way to the end, but like I, and I know a lot of people are gonna be pissed off with the end of this movie, but yeah. where the fuck do you go from like these two people who like really don't fucking like each other having basically a standoff with wild animals who could have trampled them to death then traipsing through the woods only to come across like a view of new york city in fucking flame and smoke and what, what looks like a dirty bomb has just been sent off yeah like, i mean and I, for Wow. Like, I thought that if they had cut to black at that point, I think I would have slow clapped because it's a brilliant moment. And here's where I feel like for me, the the it falls off. But I I don't know. I I like I like the ending with the girl. I like it. I have to sit. I have to sit it. I have to sit on it. I'm going to be honest. I didn't like it when I first when I first like when I first saw it, but it's made me think about it a it's, lot. I feel like it's such a fucking commentary on how we are just, and, and it's, I mean, it's kind of what we started the show talking about uh, over yeah. a year ago, this idea that like the fucking apocalypse is coming and we're just like, I don't give a shit. Can I still stream friends? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And to be perfectly honest, like, the movie got me. Like, I know it got me when she was like, I know what I have to do. And I was like, oh, man, this girl's going to kill herself. She's just going to kill herself. Like, that's all what my honest thought was. Like, yeah. that's how, that's how like, he got my his meat hooks into, into me. Is that I literally, he, he fooled me. Because there's no such, like... And I think it's the way that, like, it's it. There's a lot of comments about society, like the way that siblings treat each other, um, the way that, like, you know, there's so much. I, I so I was thinking about it last night, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, it's not. I'm not saying I coined the term, but it is like a series of micro commentaries on society, yes. like all these little things um you know like the ending with the the friend stuff like or her her whole storyline about like i don't give a fuck i just want to see the last episode of friends um i need to know what happens to ross and rachel like this whole opiate of the masses thing um Mm -hmm. yes like there's certainly a commentary there like the, you're right. The the uh, family bonds, especially the uh, brother sister relationship, like this idea of like they're both kind of like on the edge of everything, and they know something's not exactly right, and mm-hmm. he's just persistent on like feeding in feeding that into her, like amping up her her dread yeah you know and and it's fucked up but also it's exactly what happens like it's not untrue no absolutely i mean like absolutely like like and and like even the relationship between um 
between uh gh and his and his daughter ruth like yeah. um Mah- uh, mahala playing ruth scott like playing ruth like man i've i've known women i've known i've known young ladies like that i've known young ladies like that she's literally like like there's no it's weird because like the way that the like this was conceived as a movie that would reteam Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke with Denzel Washington. And I don't see it. Like now that I've watched it, I only see Mahersha Ali because I feel like there's a difference. Like, like, like Mahersha Ali makes I know that Denzel elevates people, but I feel like Mahersha Ali makes people better by being in a scene with him and their relationship and the way that he's trying to calm her down is, is a way that I feel like it's something that I, I don't want to say that Denzel couldn't pull off, but I feel like it would have been different with Denzel. Like it would have been more authoritative, a more authoritative where Mahershala Ali had like, it's the thing that we saw him like what made him what got him his Oscar in in Moonlight. It's the whole thing of a soft touch, uh, an understanding touch. Like he is the dad that everybody wants. Like like when you watch him interact with with Ruth and how she's so angry and she's so and she has every reason to be right. Like everything that she's doing, she is justified in doing all the microaggressions towards uh, the Julia Roberts character Amanda. Like completely deserved because it's her fucking house it's ruth's house but then the way that like like he comes in gh comes in and is just like this perfect father and he's not perfect perfect he makes mistakes and we see it but the way he course corrects the way he handles her with a gentle touch is so beautiful and it's something that's not commented on but you watch it and you go man this is just all around this is heartbreaking um you know um and it's also like a comparative between the helicopter parent or the the uh the the parents that are like latchkey parents i mean like literally those like um the the two like you know amanda and clay played by ethan hawk and and julia roberts i feel like the reason why they casted them was because of our goodwill towards them because if you really think about it they're shitty parents like you watch them throughout. I mean, the those whole thing kids you... fucking traipse off and like I, I, I mean, I guess I used to do that too. But like, I don't, I don't know. I was just like all this shit going on. You're just gonna let your kids wander off in the woods? Yeah. I, I like yeah, like that's the exact point. Like, like oh, okay, well, you know, go up and play in the pool while while the adults discuss the <laughs> the fucking end of the goddamn world. <laughs> when. When they show up and uh, Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts are, are discussing in the other room about letting um, G.H. and his daughter stay the night. Um, and yeah. Julia Roberts is like, he could like sneak up there and like uh, just uh, have his way with Rose. Or, Wait, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> and you don't think he tried to rape Archie? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? But at the same time, like, okay, so, like, here's the thing. Like, I watched that. I laughed, and I went, wow, that, like, that's the way he deals with his wife. And that's yeah. the way he's always dealt with his wife. And that's the reason why they have that moment where he's like, oh, so the kids are gone? 
And she looks, she rolls her fucking eyes, and she goes, you have 15 minutes. Because it's that, like, there's a shorthand to the relationship that so is so funny, but it's also so goddamn cutting. Like, like you know that, the, like, I think it's the Ruth scene on the, like, with the fire pit, where she fucking sums him up so perfectly. She's like, you know, like, you're the dude that could sleep with his his students, but chooses not to. Right. Um, and there, it, it, that's a specific kind of asshole, right? And Clay is that specific type of asshole, the guy that gets to just breeze by, like she says, like you've you've never had to work a day in your life, and she, I, and you go ahead. Yeah, I well, I was gonna say, I think it's truly, truly evident when, like, so Gh and his daughter show up at you know. At, not the middle of the night, but you know, it's like yeah, midnight or some it. shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like, Yeah, come on in, let's talk. But in broad fucking daylight, he's driving down the street in the middle of nowhere and running runs into a woman screaming hysterically in uh, Spanish. Spanish. Mm-hmm. And he can't understand her. So his solution is to just fucking leave her because yeah. of like, he because he can't communicate with her like he can't do anything in that situation like there's no way for him to come out ahead or seem like a good guy or like there's just nothing and so he gets so wound up he's just like i'm sorry i'm sorry and then just drives away like i mean i understand you can't stop her really from like screaming or but like, you just gonna leave her in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, I mean, which to which like, uh yeah, I mean, you like, there's no like, it's a weird, it, it's a weird plot contrivance that feels more like something out of a Black Mirror episode. Um, then like, and here's the thing: I know that a lot of people are gonna compare this to both not only Black Mirror but Twilight Zone. And I'm going to tell you guys, this is not that. Like, it's not an extended episode. This is this is a much different... This is not technology is bad, like that Black Mirror is always talking about, like, to a to an almost stupid degree. Yeah, I just said it, guys. Your favorite show that you guys love and adore, I'm not into because all it is about is technology is bad. I mean, at least Twilight Zone and Rod Sterling's brilliance understood that, you know, like, you know, Fantastical stories require like more than just one theme. But anywho, um, this is not that. Like, this is a very different animal. Like, this is more like I find it funny because it's more about like ultimately at the end, this is more about what happens, what what like people at the end of the world rather than like the end of the world, right? Like, like there's there's scenes that like invoke that that kind of genre right like the 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 tesla scene and the oh, that the, the robot scene. yeah but it's done so well because it doesn't it doesn't take it to an action point it doesn't take it to a genre a point it just pure unadulterated dread and it like, doesn't and no fucking explain it to you like yep if you're not on board if you're not getting it like then then you're behind and you're gonna get fucking creamed by that car like her putting that together 
while her husband cluelessly fucking wonders about. It is uh, so... Yeah. It, it reminded me of the scene in The Incredibles when they're on the plane and she realizes her kids are also on the plane and it's being mm-hmm. targeted. And she's just like frantically trying to figure out how to save their life. I, like it reminded me a lot of that. Um, that seems much better. But um, th- this was it was still and I tell you what, man. I don't know if I'll ever fucking own one of those cars. <laughs> nope, not at all. Holy shit, that's that like that, and that's the other thing about this. Everything that is frightening in this movie is not frightening in a way that like uh that's a bit extreme. All of this shit is real. <laughs> like yes. every single bit of it is just like holy fuck. Like um, and I know we're like jumping around, but like the 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 showdown between uh Kevin Bacon, who who has such a good like n- nothing role, like mm-hmm. I mean it it's a walk on day shoot, you know, he gets that yeah. one really big scene and one little glimpse earlier, but uh when Ethan Hawke is like begging him to help his son he's just like i am a useless useless man because my gps doesn't work i don't have the internet my phone doesn't work i have no idea where i'm at i don't know how to get anywhere i don't know how to do anything i am absolutely useless and like i i know that there's like Kevin Bacon winds up taking the money and like, Oh, he says that comment about the barter system, which is really funny. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. illustrates <laughs> like, okay, Ethan Hawke is useless, but he, he understands that that's not a barter system. It's still money. Um, but really the barter wasn't the money. The barter yeah. was him begging and telling Kevin Bacon, hey, I, you are I am, the man. I, yeah, you are a, a real man, and I am nothing because yeah. I cannot operate without my technology. And like, I am. I mean, if, if, like the the movie ends with us not not getting any satisfaction any any way or no. the other, but there's no fucking way that Ethan Hawke is gonna live past the point of when their food runs out like he's yep. just not <laughs> no there's a there's a, there's a sequel where Mahershala Ali and Julia Roberts figure it out and um uh, you know uh, they become a couple because you know between the two they can survive like everybody else I think that I mean well you, you know we know what happened okay so there are moments in this this movie that are so darkly funny. Like, I have to tell you, I was giggling to no end, like a giggle, like a schoolgirl giggle when the fucking teeth were coming out. That that, that was, yeah, it was a little like, what? (laughs) um, But I want to talk about like one thing, which is, is that, so we really do need a Mahershala Ali and Julia Roberts movie because the, the vinyl scene, it's like, really good, man. Like it's all really of good that chemistry, uh, that their whole thing there, yeah, 
was really good. Like from like them sitting, which uh, talk about fucking horror movie moments. Th- that scene starts with her in the kitchen pouring like she's she had just poured herself a glass of wine and she's like futzing with the lights or something. Yeah. And she and you flips on the... the outside light and there's Ooh. some fucking like 12 deer just standing there staring at them. And I was like, what the fuck is about to happen? And nothing ever comes of it. The nope. whole fucking time I'm sitting there watching this, dreading the moment when this parade of deer come traipsing through the fucking house to like just trample on everyone and it never happens <laughs> nope never happens which i love like i love that there are th- like things never actually happen the way that you think that they're going to happen which is kind of a bit of brilliance uh, of the movie where it edges you to the point but it doesn't do what a genre film does. and this is the difference between genre in and not genre is is that the genre would lean into the violence because it's a it, it's a release. But what Sam Ishmael does is he doesn't give you the release, which is even worse than like. And I know that people think that oh no 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 give it the release the violence is more terrifying. No, it's not. The um, the, the threat of I cannot tell you how, the last movie I watched that had me so on fucking edge, like yeah. For the whole movie, the I, I mean, from the point of the 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 oil tanker, like uh, beaching itself, on, mm-hmm. I was just like, "What the fuck is like? What's going on?" You know, and I told you that I and this was before I saw the plane scene. Which oh, we should talk about that. Uh, the old tanker scene when she's running and she just starts running, uh, uh, like laterally instead of straightforward. I was yeah. like, I told, I texted you. I was like, I feel like there's no way to prove it, but I feel like he just made like made this commentary about how fucking stupid the scene in Prometheus is when the ship is falling and she's just running just straight running. underneath it instead of to the fucking right. Just run right. Yep. No, absolutely. Like, you died because you don't know how to run right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he does it again with Mahershala Ali and the the plane. The plane. Holy shit, man! Like uh, th- one, there. I have a few issues with the movie. Uh, you were talking about the teeth earlier. I, it was kind of funny. Also, it they looked so fake. Like it, they really did. It, you could really tell that they were fake. There was a couple of scene of the deer that was very obviously like it, you could see the CGI, which I know they're CGI deer, but like it, it, it looked a little unfinished. Um, but plot wise, like him wandering onto the beach and then just focusing on the watch and not all the terror around him. And realizing what it was, I, I I felt it was a little unbelievable because, like, once you see 
the scene on that beach in the back of the house. Mm-hmm. How was he just focused on the watch? Because that was yeah. fucking chaos everywhere. Like there was so much pieces of bodies and that plane and everything. Like, and the only thing I I could think was, oh, did he think that that was like? Did he see the watch and it was like, oh shit, that that looks like my wife's watch or something like that? But like, no, like that was the no. dude's watch. <laughs> like it was yeah. huge. So, um, that was a little weird. Like, that's a scene that's like that's specifically done just for the reveal. Yeah, because it, it's more cinema than anything else. Because yeah, because after the reveal, you're like, what? He didn't yeah. see all the rest yeah. of the stuff. Fucking what the hell? Dude? It's fucking everywhere. <laughs> like there's yeah. just pieces of everything everywhere, and and then you hear that plane coming in, and holy shit, man! Like. <laughs> I one thing I I really appreciate about Sam Esmail and me and Ryan talked about this a lot on the Mr. Robot podcast. Uh, automatic for the people. All the episodes are on Patreon. I think it's Patreon slot dot com slash Automatic for the people um, for free. Um, is Sam Esmail wears his influences on his sleeve, like he. Does yes. not ever really shy away from, like, I'm as influenced by Back to the Future parts one, two, and three um, as I am by Hitchcock, you know. And while there are people that will agree those are cinematic masterpieces, they're also on far opposite ends of the spectrum of cinematic masterpieces. Um, but he he does so many Hitchcock riffs in this movie like it happened a lot in uh he he had another show for two seasons on amazon um called yes uh, uh, homeland uh, and yeah and there was a lot of hitchcock kind of references cinematic like the visuals in that show too um but there there's so much here and some of it is done fucking twice Three times even. Like there's so mm-hmm. many vertigo style shots. Like there's Yes. The the plane scene in North by Northwest is fucking done twice in this movie. <laughs> yes. Once with the boat and once with the plane. It was well, no no like... no. The boat too. So three times in this movie. Uh, three times. Because there's oh, two Jesus. planes. Yeah, right. that there's are two drones. The drone. Oh my plane. god, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to do this all. <laughs> That's like um, who who the fuck can get away with doing that scene three different times in the same movie? Um, you, you know, Sam Ishmael, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, like uh, there, like I like I said, like I. I'm still wrestling with the ending, and that's the big thing for me. Um, more so than the the cinematic rewinds that he's doing uh because like like he's using a lot of like disaster film tropes uh, which i find interesting um like really like like real like like real true blue like you can see it when once you see it and once you've seen enough of them you know what he's like what he's doing but it's interesting to see how the repetition like it's almost like he's doing it 
out of repetition to make a point, but also to like illustrate different points and not just go through like one simple thing. Like there's the whole thing of like you said, the North by Northwest chase, but each one of them is a different they're they they illustrate a plot point differently right they're it, like they all are mechanicisms towards the plot especially the oil tanker like the oil tanker one is like interesting because it's it's all about what's being lied about and what's being told right like it's a through line through everything and, it, and it's very late in the game when they actually start to mention like when they met like when ethan hawk mentions it to ruth or like clay mentions it to ruth um and then even the the drone one the drone one is interesting because it like when they reveal it to bacon bacon's character they it transmutes into something different right like what they thought and then it evolves into like it's it's funny because like it's not truth in gospel right like and they make it very clear in the way that they present things is that it's not truth in gospel whatever anybody is saying it's just a theory but because you have no outside source of understanding you take it as gospel because it's the only thing that you can latch on to right yeah i mean and it's, it's kind of, good fright it's frightening it's yeah. frightening to think so uh, that whole like him telling him hey it, it's either the koreans or the chinese like it's one of the two yeah. and then they hand him that flyer and they're like well this is um uh some kind of arabic or something yeah. and he's like oh you know it's funny my friend of mine in california the, they had they had flyers too, but theirs were in uh, either Mandarin or Korean. He didn't yeah, know. Yeah, he didn't it's. know which. Yeah. And like it's it's this again another micro commentary on like spreading misinformation, misleading mm -hmm. people. Like it, the and that we're so fucking bold to think that we're too smart to ever be misled mm -hmm. it, it it's fucking it's fascinating and terrifying because we all know people that have been so misled by somebody who was the leader of this fucking country and they cannot fucking admit to it they would rather just keep buying into the misinformation exactly well and and the and the bit of brilliance about about kevin bacon's character is not is not having him lean into that and he and he makes the postulation he's like you know well you know we've made we've made enemies with everybody maybe this is a team up or a coordinated yeah. attack and that's the kind of thing where it's like it's interesting because you don't put him in a box, right? Like, I like that about this movie is that it never puts everybody in anybody well, into it, a specific box. It starts you out that way. Like yes, every single does. instance, you're just like, oh, I know who this person is. And mm -hmm. without fail, every single time, they're not that person. Yeah. Like they are not that person. It totally sets up like uh 
GH and his daughter, like, you're like, oh, this is going to be, like, they're about to terrorize them. No, no, no. Like, another thing that I kind of had a problem with, and I wish he'd done something different, but who knows, maybe they, they got some money for featuring an iPhone for a minute and a half. When GH is texting his wife and it's not going through, it's clearly an iPhone. And if you don't know, yes, you can never be the bad guy in a film and use an iPhone. Thank you, Ryan Johnson, for explaining that and actually kind of ruining things, you know, because it it became it's like a clear indicator now to people. Oh, okay, so they're not a bad person. Um, Those that know. Um, but kind of by then you knew he wasn't, you know, you, you, yeah. When nothing happened after the first night, it's like, oh, this is not what we thought it was setting itself up to be. Well, like my favorite part about that is like when he knocks on the door, like (laughs) here's the best part about this is that I wasn't on edge. Like, like, because I guess because like contextually, like Mahershala Ali is somebody who I've always like, like anything that he's been in, he like, he's always a warm soul. Like, like the things that I've seen. So like when he walks up in a tux, I'm never like, I was like, Oh, this is his house. Like this is his house. Right. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they're preying on the other people. Like it's, it's a bit of dirty business because there are people that instantly think that there's something like, not just that there's something wrong, but there's something wrong with this picture between him and this young girl, right. Who he claims to be his daughter. Like, and they're acting like they're they're in their head. They're playing out exactly like if they've not read the book and they're just watching the movie. Like, I love that Sam Ishmael does lean into that. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to make you lean into it. Like, because like, that's what this is all about right like perception and the way that he is able to do that but it's also like one the the way he he does that by splitting them all up as well right so yeah. you have this kind of sort of moment between Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali where you know yeah. they are drunk and like you're like oh i know where this is going and it doesn't go there like instead it goes exactly. to him talking about how much he loves his wife um you have this moment with ethan hawk and the daughter clay and the daughter where she bluntly states like you ever have sex with one of your students and he's like what (laughs) um and you're like oh that's where this is going he's gonna be like oh it's the end of the world so might as well and it doesn't fucking go there you know no and and you have this thing with julia roberts and the daughter later on where it's like she's gonna leave this fucking kid for dead she's gonna walk away because they've been so combative with each other and then she doesn't she jumps in to try to save the fucking girl and risk her own life or both their lives really but she's not gonna just walk away like he subverts that at every turn it like it's a bit it, it not 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 knocking Nolan or the greatness of the Dark Knight, but it is mm-hmm. a much better example of that kind of humanity than yeah. the fucking uh, boat stuff or, or the fairy stuff in the Dark mm-hmm. Knight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because well, because it's not, it's not, um, it's not genre. Like I think that like. 
I feel like people don't understand what genre is and what genre isn't, right? And this is not a genre film, even though it uses genre tropes. It's because it doesn't lean into the execution of it, right? Like, whatever, like, it's interesting because it, it does, it not only, not only because it doesn't do what you normally prescribe, but it also doesn't give you the kick at the end, right? Like, it doesn't give you the kick of a solution of, like, the exploitation of violence. It just lets you sit there, and when one issue happens, you're, like, and it's safe, you breathe a little bit. But then you have to, like, suck in all the air again and hold your breath because another thing is happening. Yeah. Uh, something that will not get resolved in the traditional manner of what people expect, which is violence. Like, even that 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 scene, like, in another movie, it would be, like, in another movie by another filmmaker that was genre-centric, that scene would be about julia roberts coming over with a bat or a, a twig or something and beating the the beating the deers not yeah, going the, over there yeah the, the gunfight uh, scene would, yeah. would have been uh not him begging for his son's life it would have been him getting in between long enough to try to fucking take the shotgun from kevin bacon exactly and you know that it's that kind of thing but like because we've, I don't want to say Hollywood, but really, yes, we've been uh, conditioned to those kinds of like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. Oh, I know what's going to, and without fail, like, I, I, I think almost every time, whatever you think might happen or, the, you know, might what happen in a traditional Hollywood film is not mm-hmm. the thing that's going to happen. Including getting fucking answers. Like, there's not a single answer in this whole damn movie. Not one. (laughs) Not at all. Not one. Like, which is how, like, I think, like, it's funny to me in a film, like, in a guy who's watched one too many films, um, it's funny to me. But as a viewer, it's the thing that's frustrating to me because at the end, it's it's the end it's the end that's played for literally a joke but also a commentary i'm still wrestling with it like i said like this is definitely not a movie where you sit and you go oh i know what like i know what my my feelings are about this like i can guarantee you that i'm going to be sitting here like a couple of months from now and i probably will mention it to you hey man like i rewatched fucking movie and you know what i'm convinced it's a masterpiece it's a small, low-key masterpiece. Even though it costs probably $80 million and it has a bunch of fucking stars, it's a low-key masterpiece. Because it's just about this, what, this, the, a group of characters in a secure, single location dealing with the end of the world. Which, those are the kinds of things that I love. But at the same time, it's so prickly and complex and it doesn't give you anything that you expect. And that's the thing that I kind of respect about it, is that they're, like people are not going to like this movie. We already know. Like I oh, already. It, I, the writing on IMDb is abysmal. Not that that's oh. some kind of factor, but it is. It's like six point five. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd be um, real curious what like the Rotten Tomatoes or Cinema Score or whatever. I haven't looked at any of it. I only looked at, saw the IMDb because 
um i had it pulled up um uh because oh, oh i was gonna bring up the the two the two kids names i was i was like i can't remember their fucking names to save my life because <laughs> uh, uh, i thought they were both oh. good but especially charlie evans as the son yes. i thought he was really really good yes and there's um, like, i don't know him from any fucking thing like i don't know um, that he's ever done anything <laughs> Me either. I, I've never seen. I've never seen him before. Um, which was. Uh, it's always a welcome change whenever you seek a kid that isn't. Um, that isn't like a ready-made Disney or Netflix YA TV show kid, because it like really leads to like a discovery, and they don't have. Here's the thing: is I feel like both of the kids. Don't uh, Farrah uh, McKenzie as Rose Safford and uh, Charlie Evans as Archie. Um, what I find great about them is that I'm able to discover them because I'm not familiar with them or they're not social media to death for me. They're just yeah. kids, and not just that they're kids, they're fucking brilliant actors. Like Farrah McKenzie was in Logan Lucky, right? I think that's yes, that was I her big she, only big yes. thing. Exactly, which was what years ago? <clears throat> yeah, several years um, ago. Several years ago. <clears throat> yeah, twenty seventeen, seven years ago. So she would have been like six or seven. Seven, yeah. But it's so it's so nice to I mean, so like like just to the people are six or seven, you saw her in that. Why aren't you saying new? It's because she's a teenager now. She looks nothing like she did in fucking Lucky Logan. And, like, basically, she's a brand new person. Like, she's a, she's a brand new talent. And it's kind of beautiful to watch these people inhabit these roles that you've never seen before or don't have, like, a um, an association with, right? Like, I love when you find new talent. And both of them are, like, great catches. Like, as much as... I I don't I don't know who Mahela is. Like I've never seen her in anything, even though she's I know that she's been in um uh she was just in um what was that that one um dumb money, but like her big claim to fame I think is bodies, 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 which I've never seen before. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Um, um and also she's in a black black mirror episode, which makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um but she's fucking great. Like she's yeah. like truly like a fine too because most of her scenes are with the adults because she is an adult and the way that she goes one up with like my favorite scenes in the entire film are her and Julia Roberts when they're by yeah. themselves um because that shit takes a, that that like even though in the shed it feels like speechifying. Their performances are so earnest and sincere and raw that I don't look at it and go, oh, like, it's just monologues. They're monologuing. No, it, it really feels like an honest to goodness moment between between the two and yeah. her literally her literally having to extend the olive branch to Julia Roberts and goes, why the fuck are you like this? I am I am the kid. You are the adult. I, yeah. My mother is fucking surely gone. Why are you being such a bitch to me? I mean, literally in so many words. And again, the sh the like what you think is going to happen doesn't happen. It veers yeah. left instead of right. And it's just 
man. Like, there's so much good in this film. I'm with you on that scene. It's the one time in the movie, even though there's several, like, like speechifying, like you said, these, like, soliloquies. Usually it's Mahershala Ali. But, like, he has a reason to be saying what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Um, Julia Roberts' speech is the one, only one in the movie that I felt like that's a little... It's not too on the nose, but it is does feel a little like, but by you, unless you're looking at the runtime, you don't know it. You, you're at the end, like that's the end. Yeah, like it you've is. got five minutes left in the movie when she's given, or maybe ten, when she's given that speech. So like, that's the only time to say it. You know, like you you don't get another moment. Um, but it's it 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 is really really yeah i i don't know that i don't think that this is the best movie i've seen this year i really don't um and uh, you you've seen a shit ton more than me i've barely seen anything this year i do think it's the most interesting movie i've seen this year um yeah it's okay so like i don't It'll probably make top 10 honorable mention, but it, for me, it's like you said, it's not, it's not top, like the top three movies. Uh, If you guys want to just look at my letterbox, you can see what I, I find is the, the best movies of the year, but you are right. It is the most interesting movie. It is the, like, it's exactly like going back to what, like I talked about with Norm Lear, it's the kind of film that afterwards you have you have conversations that you didn't think that you were going to have that night and it's yeah. lively it, and you'll probably disagree with the person that you you saw the movie with um on many topics and you'll agree on many topics uh, it reminds me of Donnie Darko a lot in that way where it's it, like it really you just does. you want like and you got to be in the right headspace to watch it but you want people to watch it like i want you to watch this so that we can have a conversation, not an argument, not, uh, but I want to have a conversation about all of this. And like, we talked about the movie. We didn't even talk about like the ideas embedded in the movie that much. Like this idea mm-hmm. of like how fucked we are because of our insistence and dependence upon technology. And yeah. like, they only barely state it. But this idea of like, so Mr. Robot was kind of built on the the idea of this being there being this like secret cabal that runs the world. Um, yeah. And for Sam Esmail to like then step into this and go, yeah, but what if that's not true? Like, isn't it more unsettling to think that? nobody runs the fucking world that there's nobody in charge that the best thing that that the elite people can ever get is a fucking heads up that all of this is about to end but like what the brilliant part about that is is that like what I love about that is that means like if if that's the case, like if if that's the postulation, then that means that everybody is fucked. No one gets away. Everybody, even the rich, will be eaten. 
Why? Because at the end of the day, that's what it should be. It, it, like it's utter chaos and we're just bouncing against we're bouncing against the darkness and it's just like anything it's like gambling right like people can say that there's a science to gambling no it's chaos it's like ian malcolm talked about it's chaos theory like yeah you can try to figure out like how to do it but you know what the world will find a way and um like there's also the metal medica meta subtext that like I love that this is an M. Night movie, but not. I was going to bring that up. I was <laughs> like, this feels like the fucking movie M. Night Shyamalan wishes to God he could fucking make. Like, this is the movie he wanted to fucking make when he made that Mark Wahlberg piece of shit about yes. nature killing people. Like, uh, this is the kind himself. of... Yeah, this is the kind of dread he wanted to instill, and he couldn't fucking do it. He no. could not do it. And every fucking second of this movie, from the time the tanker beaches itself, it's just like building and building. And, and like every time you get a little brief respite, like it comes back double fold. Like I was like, Shyamalan wishes he could instill this kind of dread in people. Holy shit. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And okay, so like my other question to you, um, because we're like, uh, we're like, you know, you can't talk about the world of Mr. Robot and Sam Ishmael. And I like, or talk about something that Sam Ishmael has done and not talk about the world of Mr. Robot. Um, I want to ask like just a very fun question, which is this. Um, do we think that this is taking place in the Mr. Robot world. I, I think it's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. and, and it's something I considered. Like, is is he making, like, building out from that universe? Because that that does deal with, like, towards the end, kind of an end-of-the-world scenario. And you know? that's why... And that's why, that's why I ask. Because it... Is this the second run that they perfected? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's there's this thing where, like, I feel like Mr. Robot talks about how no matter what you do, there is an inevitable end to the world. Like, right? Like, like no matter what you do, no matter what, there's always ends to things. And you can try to stop it. You can try to control it. But it is not going to not, like, the outcomes are a zero-sum game and like is it like there's a lot that feels like like if Mahershala Ali's character GH showed up at the Tyrell Corp like just passing by I, I yeah, wouldn't I, be surprised yeah I don't I think I think it's uh it's hard to say it's not but there's no I obviously no definitive evidence that it is I no, like the idea yeah. of Esmail kind of doing his own, uh, I guess, like Cornetto kind of thing. Yes. Where it's like Where... they're connected, but they're not connected, you know? Mm -hmm. and, no, absolutely. And kind of dealing with different themes. I, I, I hope, I know it's going to be really hard 
for this to be successful. I hope it is. I, I mean, I I think Netflix is probably as much as I would like to see it in the theater. Netflix is probably the right home for something like this. Um, yes. A, it will get more eyes on it. It's a lot easier to sell people on seeing something that that doesn't seem to have a clear narrative. If they can just stream it, um, it's going to feel a lot less vind- like the people will be less vindictive <laughs> when they get to the end <laughs> oh, <laughs> because God, they yeah. streamed it on Netflix, um, even though it's still going to piss people off. And I, I just want to say, I, I completely understand grappling with the ending. I loved it. I, I have zero problems with it. I have, I don't have a problem with anybody that would have a problem with it. Like I, it, I think it's absolutely meant to elicit a fucking reaction, whether it's just like me literally cackling at my TV <laughs> when the fucking Friends theme started playing. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, talk about And the credits started stuff. rolling. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, that's incredible. <laughs> or somebody throwing their fucking remote across the room and being like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Like absolutely. I, I think it's absolutely meant to uh, meant to elicit a, a a reaction, and no matter what that reaction is, it's successful. You know, yeah. it's if it's indifferent, then there's a problem. You know, um, mm-hmm. I love that he was like, no, this is how we're gonna end the movie, like it. I, you'd have to tell me or or your wife would have to tell me if the book basically ends that way. Um, it does, but it ends at a different point. Okay. Like, it, um, it, it ends, is it friends it, that she's obsessed with in the book? Yes. Okay. So that, that's stay true, which is really interesting because friends is not on fucking Netflix anymore. Netflix. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, like it could have been Grey's Anatomy. Of course that show's still on the air, but uh, yeah. like it's well, interesting that it's about- on Netflix and friends is no longer on Netflix, at least in the U S. Well, my favorite part is like this little girl is like super fucking savvy because like, I love that she watched the West wing, but she only watched the Sorkin. <laughs> Like that's fucking brilliant, dude. <laughs> when Julia Roberts was like, "Wait, you watched the watched the West Wing? Yeah, but only the Aaron Sorkin <laughs> years. Sorkin years. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, those are the best years. <laughs> uh, like, though, shout out to John. Which, Goodman. Am, I, am I? I'm not wrong. Featured Michael J. Fox. Was he in the Sorkin uh, years? No. No, he was. Oh, no, he's on the American president. Sorry, that's yes. what it was. Wrong so. Sorkin project, but right kind of. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of them Sorkin, but because uh, Spin City would have been on the same time as the West Wing. So because yes. Spin City was basically them looking at him in uh, American president and going like, holy shit, I bet that guy could carry a show about politics. Let's do that. Exactly. Um, um can we just talk about just for two seconds how antiquated West Wing is now? Like, I would love to rewatch it, but my feeling feels like my ultimate feeling feels like it 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 would be a joke because, like, my my mind in my mind, there's this like 
there's the West Wing that I remember and I loved and I tuned in every fucking week. But I feel like like between 2016 and 2020 uh, and 2020, 2021 ruined everything about the West Wing. So like if I went back to watch it, it would just be like, this is some bullshit. This is some Mickey Mouse Sesame Street elementary school bullshit. Um, which I find truly interesting because like it almost dares me to watch it. I almost am dared to watch it. Um, which is kind of hilarious because it brought it up and I'm like, man, you know, it's been about 20 years now. Maybe I should watch it again. But then I was like, oh, I don't know, man. Those walking talks and how earnest they are um, coming from any kind of political person. I'm like, man, this is so different, right? Like this would be so different. Uh, um, did you watch The West Wing? Um, so I watched some of The West Wing. Okay. I was a huge sports night guy. I was a huge sports night guy. I and love sports night. I, I know, I knew at the time that Sorkin was basically told, you can keep doing West Wing or you can keep doing sports night. Yep. And he elected to keep doing West Wing because he thought it was the more important show. I thought sports night was the fucking show that, that should have kept going. And I... So I kind of boycotted the West Wing <laughs> because it pissed me off that Sports Night uh, was let go. Um, because holy shit, like the first season is a little choppy, but like once it gets in the groove, like it's so fucking good. Oh it's yeah, so oh. good, man. Well, I feel like okay. So my thought, like about like okay, so. I'm a huge sports night fan. Thank you. Like, this is why we're friends, dude. Like, I know this um, because it, it it makes complete sense that you fucking love sports night, right? What I love most about sports night is that Agent Phil Coulson saves the fucking day and it yeah. ends the way that you, like, they could have ended it on just a cliffhanger and just not a bit, but they actually ended it in a good spot to where I'm like, I fucking hate that I didn't get five more seasons of this show because it could have been yeah. like it could have been even greater. Yeah. But just the fact that Phil Coulson saves the day and lets them like in my mind eternally lets them be the best sports guy like the, the best best sports announcers in TV history. That's okay. Like I'm good with that. Um, uh, and you are right. Like it was at the expense because they were on two different networks. And Disney was like, you can't have this. And uh, Warner Brothers was like, well, you definitely can't have this. So you better yeah. choose, which is which like ultimately we lose. But the best part I, about they oh, both ahead. lost because fucking sports yep. night ended. And then he wound up walking away from the fucking West Wing. Yep. So. Man. Well, he didn't walk away as much as they found well, out that he was they found out that he was like, you know, popping. Popping fucking Redolin like it was like it was fucking Pez Pez yeah, uh, Pez Canyon he was, shit. He was told that he needed to take some time off. <laughs> yeah, uh, like where, where, like what, uh, like another show that I really liked that only lasted one season that he did was Studio uh, Sixty Four. Yeah, or well, Studio Sixty Four. Ma- yeah, rest in peace, Matthew Perry, man. Matthew P- Perry, like. 
if we talk about like Bradley Whitford and Matthew Perry together as a team was fucking, so fucking phenomenal. Good. So and, fucking good, man. And they actually dealt like like that's the best part about Sorkin is that he was like, no, nah, fuck y'all. I'm gonna deal with this. I got sober and I'm gonna fucking deal with this. I'm gonna show you what it was like for me. Um, which I find hilarious. Like, um, but yeah, like a, a truly underappreciated show that only got one season. Um so yeah, uh, Sorkin, man, I swear to God, dude, that dude was, uh, that that dude, he had something. Um, he still kind of does. I mean, I don't know. It's weird because it's like, have you ever like like? And this kind of talks to Sam Ishmael too, which is is that when you get a blockbuster creative like that in TV, it's weird because it feels like they are forced into a corner and they're forced to produce the show like yeah. the aaron sorkin show the sam ishmael show like because homeland feels like mr robot on crack or like on lsd and i mean you already got like you know if none of you have seen or if, for the few that have not seen mr robot what i like what i feel is the brilliance of it is is that it takes pov and it fucks with it in a way that you've it never is, seen before yeah it, it is I don't want to say ultimate unreliable narrator, but it is it is up there with like every time you think you know what's going on, it like yeah, and it's unreliable narrator. I don't even know if is the right word because no. it's not somebody choosing to mislead you. I mean, um, it's the creatives, but like yeah. the the POV you're following is not somebody choosing to leave out facts or mislead you. It's just it, like you're you're dealing with somebody who has a lot of mental issues. Um, Absolutely, no, no, no. You're you're hundred percent right. Um, but done so in the the again, like what we like I was saying, like it's it's a subjective view, like that show is completely subjective, right? Like, like that, that one is like brilliantly subjective. Yeah. Even when you think that it's not subjective, it's still subjective. Um, I like, it's, it's all a, it's all a, okay. So like, I'm going to sell something to somebody. Like if, if you, if you've never seen Mr. Robot and you watch this show or this TV, this movie and you get a kick out of it, um, Amazon right now has Mr. Robot, the complete series. On sale for twenty nine ninety nine on Blu ray. Buy it. It's and so fucking worth it. <laughs> it will be so worth it. Like you have no idea what you're in store for. Um, you will understand. Like I feel like there's a lot of people that kind of like look around and go, "Why Robbie Malik?" Well, if you say that to me, then obviously you have not fucking seen Mr. Robot because it's not Bohemian Rhapsody. Mr. Robot won. Rami that Oscar because uh, like won that Bohemian Rhapsody Oscar for him not the other way around yeah um it like and, and he's just a like there's never like there are few like shows or even projects that you get where the creator and the and uh, like the the creator and the actor are so like syncopatedly like on par with one another. Like it's kind of interesting like to watch it. It's like there's like Sam Ishmael and Rami Malik are like 
the De Niro and Scorsese of like mid 2000 or, uh, you know, mid teens TV shows where they were giving, they were doing risky shit. They were the, the Kings of that, um, is the only way that I could, I can properly describe it to me from my heart of like what it means, what Sam Ishmael and Rami Malek mean in like pop culture lexicon over the last 10 years. Because it has yeah. been almost 10 years, right? Like 2016, right? Yeah. Or is it 2017? Can't remember. Uh, but anywho, um, though I will say this much: Julia Roberts coming back hard and strong. Like I haven't seen her in a while. I don't. I can't remember the last thing I saw her in. I, oh, um, the other Sam Ishmael project, um, Homecoming. The first, the first season of Homecoming, um, which was good. But I don't know, man. Like, I feel like she's really good in this. Has she yeah. been in any? Has she been in anything recently that was like, oh, Julia Roberts? So, I'll, so Gaslit, directed by Matt Ross, and I think uh, produ- produced by Sam Asimov. Yes, um, huh. I haven't seen it, but okay. uh, I mean, uh, have you seen it? I'm guessing no, no. I, I, Julia no, Roberts, I, Sean Penn, Dan Stevens, Betty Gilpin, Shea Wiggum, um, like oh. the the cat uh, Hamish Linkletter. The cast is really really good. Wow. Um, yeah. No shit. Like that's. I, I I guess Ticket to Paradise was like some like like it was a big deal for people I, I, too. But I I'm interested in this one. Okay. Um, is it and and you know Matt Ross is Gavin Belson from yes. silicon valley uh mm-hmm. so like him directing sam esmail producing like it, you know in that cast it's interesting i've just not gotten around to watching it um but producing is not the same as depending on what kind of producer you are you know yeah. i think he might just be an executive producer on it so I, but like it is interesting because they're both involved i'm and what here's what's really funny i'm not a julia roberts fan i i don't like her much at all like most of her films i i cannot stand homeland is probably one of the few things previous to this that i would point to and go holy shit she's a really good actress despite you know all the other accolades I've mm-hmm. much like Sandra Bullock, I've just never really been a fan. Like I it just okay. their work just hasn't done much for me. It's interesting that as she's gotten older, she's taking these kinds of chances and playing I think far more multifaceted characters. Like absolutely. Somebody who is uh, definitely unlikable for a good length of time like you know mm-hmm. homeland i don't know that she's unlikable it's just uh you don't really trust her i guess to a mm-hmm. degree um but uh yeah i really enjoyed her in homeland i gaslit i'll hope to see eventually um it's been on my radar i just you know like i said never gotten around to it so. Yeah, this feel okay. So, like, weirdly enough, this feels like an evolution of her character from Closer, which 
like of the of the Julia Roberts, like when she was in her prime, like act. Let's just say it's a mini series, not Gaslight's a mini series, not a TV, uh, not a movie. I mean, no, no, it's all good. Like I, I knew, like as soon as I heard it was Gaslight, I knew that it was the the mini series that you were talking about. Um, but for others that did not know, because it's eight episodes, it's a limited series, and like it has a definitive ending. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, like the the people that he got for this project, it it's just a it's a key to like telling people like if they don't know who he is, trust in it because this is the level of actor that is he's working with and he's used to working with. I mean, hell, even his first film. I mean, we talked about that. Oh, we we talked about his first film um, is a movie that stars Justin Long and his future wife, Emmy Rosen. Like, how is that your first fucking movie? Is like, and at a time when Justin Long was Justin Long, now of course there's the Justin Long renaissance that's that's happened in 2023 with multiple projects that he's involved with. Um, uh, Too much pop culture acclaim, but like, this was also at the time where he was an unknown commodity and Emmy Rosen was also a known commodity. And they made this like, you know, beautiful sci-fi lo-fi indie movie um, that people should actually go see too, um, which is very different than like, it's so what happened between Comet and Mr. Robot to turn Sam Ishmael into this person? Um, he signed up for fucking Twitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, just seriously. Like that's that 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 seems to be like the most uh, like reasonable answer, right? Like he saw the face of humanity. Oh wait, so I saw the abyss this week. Yeah, yeah. and the the quote, <laughs> the Nishki quote: "When you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back at you." And he yeah. did the ex- that exact fucking thing, and yeah. that's what happened. And he's like, I, I mean, he he's very. Uh, Prescient's not even like it's almost like fucking fortune teller, man. It's like Nostradamus levels of like he can kind of see the future, but not not and not in a magical way. It's just like being able no. to like write this down and extrapolate it to its like its doom filled end is seems to be like his thing like and to be fair that's kind of what comet's about too it's not about yeah like the end of the world but it is about like writing this relationship out and following all of these these strands to the end um he's really really good at that um i i i I absolutely believe this is a movie that i'm much like donnie darko i might not talk about it as much uh, as as months and years go on, but this I, I fully believe that this is a movie that will be like right in the back of my mind at almost all times because it's so fucking just like it's like it's a head fuck like it, it's yeah like I, you don't want to think about it but you can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Yes. No, no, absolutely. Um, like he, like, I feel like with this, it just confirms something that I've always thought, which is, is that, um, 
he's exactly what he's like the the, the trans morphing of what Rod Sterling is or was. Like Rod Sterling was always this guy who through 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 sci-fi or through whatever you, speculative fiction was able to look at humanity and put it under the microscope and it never be always be affecting but never be so specific to where it it wouldn't translate 50 years later sam ishmael does the same thing he takes speculative fiction and turns it on its ear and puts a microscope to us as people and but there's no like there are no blips of goodness where Sterling occasionally found it. I don't know if Sam Ishmael has ever found something where he goes, yeah, humans are really good people. He talks about it. There, like in this movie, he actually talks. Yeah. About it. Yeah. I, I, there is not a, I, I, I mean, I watch Mr. Robot. I've, I've watched every episode three or four times. Yes. I, I've watched comment. I I've watched this. And I would say those are the three things that he's most uh, like th- they're his, obviously yeah. written, directed, um, for the most part. Uh, I don't, I don't know that there's a character in any of these that I could point to and go, they're a like backwards, forwards, a good person. Yeah, I mean, I will say that GGH comes close. Well, comes close. yeah, but does he? But because like when when he you start finding out what the what kind of does. people he's kept company with yes. like you can't be like what we would wholly define as a good person not that he doesn't like he does do the right thing like mm-hmm. in all these situations he tries to do the right thing but like he also keeps things from people yeah, like it. It's just there's not a, a, an all. I shouldn't say good. There's not an altruistic person in any of this, and that's what makes it so human. Is because yes. we like to fucking walk around thinking we're all like, I think I'm a great person, but the truth of it is, most of us, <laughs> like, what what is the they're bastards <laughs> with bastards. They're bastard coded bastards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with they're bastards with bastard coding and bastard feel filling. <laughs> like we all just suck. Like and yeah, hopefully if the chips are completely like if our backs are against the wall, we would do the the right thing. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Like, it's not. But, like, you know, there's a. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like, he makes Oh, it... me either. Yeah, like, like he just, he's a, he's a truth sayer, right? Like, you're, you're telling us, like, this isn't a. This isn't a movie that goes like this isn't the feel good movie of the year, but it's also the well no it is the feel bad movie of the year. Like if you're if you're somebody like me who constantly thinks about this kind of shit, to find something that's gonna make me feel worse than watching this movie. Yeah, 
Like, like I was thinking about it, the two most anxiety provoking experiences in you know, like for films for me this year were this and Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you can't find fault in either one of them in their view of humanity. Right. Like they're like, everybody is faulty. Like they kind of play with the same kind of tropes, which is, yeah, you know what? Even when you're good, you're not all that great. You're still a son of a bitch. Like you yeah. can be like, like, and there's something humbling about that. Like, I love when a movie tells us, you know, these people, they're ultimately making the right decision, but they're complex people. So if you don't like their opinions, that's okay. And, and, and also that like, and uh, we can wrap it up with some final thoughts, but yeah. I, I'll say this also that making all the right choices is still not going to keep you from being fucking doomed in the end. <laughs> because yeah. no matter what they fucking do, like, it doesn't change what's happening around them. Like, no, and, it and they, can't, they can't change it. They can, and, and maybe that's the point. Like, you cannot change what's happening around you you know that other people are causing you can change your reaction to it you can always try to do the right thing you can hole up in your fucking uh, media room which also i love the idea that the movie ends on the importance of fucking physical media so <laughs> yes <laughs> i love that i like dude like how much do you want how much time did sam ishmael spend on making sure that the right DVDs were there. Yes, I I want to fucking pause that and just look at the like what were these people gonna watch for fifty years in their bunker or whatever. So, and it was it was there were no blue my favorite part no Blu-rays all DVDs. Yep. But my even my 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 like the thing that I loved the most that made me laugh was the the zoom in. The zooms, okay, like, 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 we didn't even talk about the fucking zooms in this movie. Like, like, okay, I get, like, like, even though it, they're they're very effective, but at a certain point, I wanted to go. Okay, we all have yeah, seen the conversation, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> that, that's his. Like, he was just like, I'm gonna just keep doing the visual tricks. I'm gonna just keep yeah. doing it. <laughs> like, yeah, it, like, you know what'll work here? I saw this in this movie. Let's do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want overhead shots and zooms like a motherfucker. I want to make this the most 70 movie that you've ever seen. The the fucking, the camera going from inside to outside without ever, like, breaking the a Fincher? doorway. Like, yes. yeah. It's just like, how many times are you going to do this, man? But, like, uh, I, I don't, I, like, it didn't bother me. I was just kind of laughing at, like, oh, he he he's got a little money. He can do as much visual trickery as he wants. And so he's just going to keep doing it. <laughs> well, okay. So like the funniest part, you want to hear something funny? Do you know what movie? Okay. So like Ishmael is on, on letterbox and he created a list of the, of the movies that informed this movie. And one of them is panic room. Like how hilarious uh, yep, is that? Yep. Because you know that that's, that's what, yeah, that's, that's what panic room does. <laughs> exactly. Um, another one that you'd, you'd find funny signs. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. But the one that I feel is the key that unlocks everything, and it's a movie that we've never discussed, but I can only feel like as because we're kind of symbiotic about this, Miracle Mile. I've never seen it. Oh, you've never seen it? Oh, no. my God. Yeah. Um, he also put, like, that, that one? When Anthony, she uh, says, what if it's like Eight Mile Island? <laughs> yes. Goes, I think you mean Three Mile Island. Oh, <laughs> That was a great, that was a great one. Um, uh, it's just like, it's, it's got this weird sense of humor that as long as you're attuned to it, 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 it's going to work. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, but final thoughts, I guess we should go to that, but also like one last thing about that zoom in, like what I wanted to say is I love the fact that there are TV series, but not all of the TV series are complete. Like you see yeah. Buffy, but he yeah. only has like four seasons of Buffy. Yeah, like the first like, four seasons of Buffy. <laughs> oh, or like the first three seasons of Gilmore Girls. Like, yeah. was that a choice? Was that a choice because the fourth <laughs> and the fifth season are shitty and Ro- Lorelai and Rory are just terrible human beings? Or was that just like you didn't buy the rest of them? Like, yeah. it's hilarious to me to think. But also, this is a vacation home for a super rich fucking person. So, of course, they would only have like certain things there right yeah um it was yeah. it was a brilliant stroke um as much as the needle drop in the middle of the the sh- the middle of the um in the middle of the movie was a brilliant move because it's like as soon as i saw the record i knew what what i uh what what it was but i can guarantee you that there's like only hip-hop heads or people that have lived through the early two uh, the early 2000s late 90s would know that song right yeah. um but it's like those, like, I guess because he's our age and he's kind of been through the similar kind of pop culture trajectory, it's always a good kick when, like, somebody like him or Ryan Johnson does a movie or does something because there's always plants there. There may not necessarily that everybody gets, but, like, you feel – like, I never got all of the references with Quentin's movies. I never have because he was born – yeah. In a different time than I was, right? But these guys, now that they're coming to power, they are absolutely referencing like stuff that I know that it's like even if you hear like like when you said Back to the Future, I was like, how the fuck? And then the opening two seconds. The minute you hear that, yeah, you're just. I was like, it opens with a fucking Back to the Future like musical reference, which yeah sounds insane until you fucking hear it and you're like. Holy shit. <laughs> that, that is exactly the way Back to the Future is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, like, and the funnier part was, is I was like, what the fuck is he going to do? Is there going to be, like, a giant speaker? Like, I literally wanted to know what the Back to the Future reference was. Because you just said, hey, and there's a Back to the Future reference. And yep. I was like, fuck, what does this have to be? And then when it happens. But the minute I you hear it, it, you know yeah. it in the score, man. You know that little tinkling of... <laughs> Like, like, oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, that's Alan Silvestri. It's Back to the Future score. And not so, only that, but it's the mischievousness of it. it yeah. like, and I think that that's something that I feel like I didn't like. We didn't talk about, and ultimately, I feel like that's like my one of my final closing thoughts about this is that the movie is mischievous in a way that I feel like true mischief is. Right? Like, like. It's dangerous. Like true mischief from people is dangerous. Like, and that's what this 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 shit is. It's like it's not. 
it's mischievous in the way of like, you know what? I'm going to talk about like the end of the world and I'm going to fuck around and I'm going to let my characters fuck around and they're going to find out about this and they're going to find out in a really hard way, but I'm going to have a great time doing this. Um, Which ultimately I feel like is the best thing that, that I could possibly say about the, about this is that go in with an open mind. Yeah. It is weird to have a movie that like, hates a strong word because i could never say i hated it but like that i i i'm telling you i love this movie and i i was in fucking like just a dreadful headspace for almost every second of it but like i do really think it's a good movie and it's it's at least got something to say which is is even though it doesn't seem like it, I think it does. And it's it's in that way very similar to what we were kind of started. Uh, we were talking about uh, movies that were converse like people having conversations that weren't necessarily about the things that they were experiencing. Absolutely, and no, it's very similar right. to that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I hope it has a, a a a good life on Netflix, even if it pisses people off. Like that's it, and that's the yeah. other. I know I said like, good for you for making a movie that might piss people off, man. Like, yeah, do it, do it. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. get uh, a reaction. Like, yes, that's what because, you want is a reaction. Because good or bad, that's what you want. You want yeah. a reaction. Like uh-huh. and. Like, I'd rather, like, those are the most interesting films to me is the ones that, even if I hate it, why did I hate it? Or yeah. I loved it. Like, there's no in-between, right? And I don't feel like this is a, a show or this is a movie that you that there's going to be an in-between on. You'll have yeah, complicated you'll li- feelings. Yeah. You'll either like it or you'll be like, fuck that movie, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it ended with a fucking <laughs> DVD watch of Friends. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Like, um, like the people that uh, people won't get it, and the people that won't get it, they won't get it. And that's yeah, okay, it's right? Um, um I, I'm and, really glad you got a chance to watch it. Like, I, I was so, I was like, I mean, I want to talk about the ending, but if Adam didn't get to watch it, there's no way I can bring up the ending. So, yeah. um, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. All right, so check out everything else we're doing podcast wise over at xwingfiles.com. Um, it's probably gonna be a little quiet because <laughs> you know <laughs> holidays and you know not much going on. I know what if is is coming, but uh, yes, that that's about it for Marvel and Star Wars for a, f- a few months. So yeah. well, Echoes in January, but I, I might be the only fucking person that watches that show. <laughs> well, you and me both. Like yeah. we'll talk about it here. Um, yeah. well, actually, um. <laughs> you do have a Star Wars project coming out in December, directed by Zack Snyder. It's called Rebel Moon Part yeah, One. Oh my right. fucking god! <laughs> like I, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I saw the trailer. I think oh I'm good. God. So, um, but yeah, go check out all the other podcasts over there, and uh, you can check out my written written work over at Adam's website. Yes, themovieisle.com, uh, where we have your uh newest episode you we have your newest volume installment of 
the uh, of the moving pictures or moving pictures. Uh, it's actually just posted. It's the Alien Three that we were we we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's finally posted, um, and you have a Christmas episode coming up. I feel like it's it's the perfect like you even wrote in uh, for the this newest edition. Like you wrote it as a there's a precursor about it about Christmas time. So it's like, it's going to post like right before Christmas. So it's a perfect thing. Um, I always am uh, prompting you guys to read, his, uh, read Logan's work because it is truly like the best stuff on the, on, on the site. Um, we're getting close to 50 and uh, uh, that means that there's going to be some really great like machinations going on behind the scenes uh, with, with the moving pictures, which I actually have to talk to you about um, sometime in the next couple of weeks because I've been doing some research on that particular project, uh, okay. which we will, we will keep quiet um, because we have to make some decisions about some stuff. Um, uh, but all to say, you guys, we will reveal, we will reveal it, uh, but also just kind of like, you know, uh, read his, read his fucking column. Read read about Alien <laughs> yeah. Three because it will watch. It will prompt you to like it instantly prompted me to read uh, to to watch um, to watch Alien Three, and it really truly is the end of the series. Like there should have never been anything else after this. But no, you know. the pre the prequel stuff I can get behind more or less. But like a Alien Legacy or Alien Resurrection was just not great and yeah you know it like that story needed to end ripley story needed to end there uh, yep. until she became my dog because now i have a dog yes. named ripley <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so yeah uh we will be back next week talking about something i have no idea what we're going to be talking about do you have an idea is nope. there something that specifically that we're going to no talk clue. about no clue i have okay. no idea what's coming so yeah um so <laughs> who knows <laughs> yeah who knows oh. who uh who cares it could be a bunch of news um, um i don't think it's the case but uh yeah, we will be back know. next week yeah absolutely oh. we'll be back next week we'll see you guys then Talk to you soon. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, they all together. Do with me now. Nerds